Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. Freedom of speech. We take that as a given in this country. But what exactly does it give us the freedom to do? Recently, Liberty Magazine editor Lincoln Steed sat down with a learned guest in the studios of the Three Angels Broadcasting Network to discuss that very question. Today, we listen in on that conversation. I'll let Mr. Steed make the introductions. My name is Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, and my guest on the program is attorney Sonia DeWitt and Liberty author. <laughs> Let's talk about something that's been troubling me for a long time now. I watch current events, and I know you do too, and it struck me as rather anomalous for a Western country, the United States, back in the Bush era, Bush son, speech was a big issue, and they established free speech zones. You remember that? They didn't really want disruption to public events, so there was a roped-off area, sometimes as much, I think in one case, three miles from where the president was. There would be a roped-off area entitled the free speech zone where people could speak freely. How important is free speech to a modern democracy, to real freedom, and thereby to, of course, religious liberty, which is a vital freedom? Well, free speech is obviously essential to any free society. If you don't have free speech, you don't have free thought, you don't have free exercise of religion, uh, you don't have free communication about grievances. There are so many things that are impacted by free speech. Now, is free speech good speech? <laughs> no, <laughs> not necessarily. The old saying applies, I may disagree with what you say, but I will defend to, to the death your right to say yeah. it. And I, so, I'd say that about religious liberty in general. I can have huge issues with someone else's faith. I can think it's puerile, foolish, or whatever. But if religious liberty means anything, I have to uh, go to any length to defend someone's right to believe that. If free speech is restricted for anybody, there's no free speech. Yeah. And I think in, in our era right now, people have forgotten the basic dynamic. It's when speech is offensive to you that it's most important to protect it. Right. Nobody needs to protect agreeable speech, <laughs> right? No. Something everybody likes doesn't need protection. Right. Do you think we're in a period where, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's under some threat? Well, that's an interesting question. That, I believe, comes from this Christian right paranoia about their rights being infringed and them being victims of the secular society which I think is a way overblown fear. Um, yeah. There's opposition on both sides to the other side's viewpoints. There's no question about that. But are Christians being targeted for the viewpoints? I don't see that. I, I think it's easily provable that on many public campuses and private campuses, except that overtly church-run ones, I think the intellectual environment is a little dismissive of what they see as historical, fundamental Christianity. Well... There's an element of sneering. Well, certainly that's true. There, but but no that's question. not going to be solved by a government edict. Right. And as long as they don't engage, as long as they don't, you know, overtly threaten or harass, 
they have the right to sneer all they want. Yeah. You know, that's that's the function of free speech. So we need to we need to condition, especially since we're coming from a Christian community, maybe we need to condition our fellow Christians to be able to bear a little bit of jeering and, and public shame on our Lord's behalf. The Bible says those who live godly in, in Christ will, Jesus will suffer, suffer persecution. Will so, suffer persecution. <laughs> so that shouldn't be a surprise to and, anybody. And uh, I don't think a little sneering is as hardcore persecution. No, no, not compared to what's going on in yeah. other parts of the world. But it's a, it's a push-me-pull-you sort of a question because uh, in, in addressing a concern, if the religious right are uh, somewhat a force behind the scenes, then they're actually creating another problem, even as they're trying to solve one. How do you see that? Well, the government is, is in essence meddling in the free speech issue to increase their particular speech. Yes, well, that free goes, speech is not something that can be forced. That 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 goes back to the whole Christian right agenda. Yes, that they want to control every area of of life so that their agenda is advanced. That's pretty much a part of their whole agenda. You want to make sure that that Christians and Christians of their variety have preference in every sphere. We don't much talk about it on this program, or at least haven't in the past, but I know there's a, uh, a strong movement at the United Nations promoted by a whole front of countries, most of which are, are Islamic culture, which sort of colors the way they look at this issue. And they're pressuring there to be an international understanding against uh, defamatory religious speech. Well, you know, we don't want to encourage loose and, and, and negative talk about any religion, but when you're protecting free speech, I don't think this is right to, to penalize someone that says something that's offensive to another religion, because depending how you define it, just explaining, say, a doctrinal error or saying I have a more uh, satisfactory religion, which is in essence what evangelists are doing all the time, that can be uh, taken as offensive by someone that chooses to. And is that going to be criminalized? Or, or, or at the very least, that just inhibits your ability to talk about your own religion. Right. I think that preventing proselytizing is a covert reason for that emphasis. They, they want to avoid, because as you know, a lot of Islamic countries forbid proselytizing by anyone who's not Muslim. It's a big problem. It's a big problem. And uh, I, I think we're, uh, we're, we're headed down that track even in the West because we don't want to offend. There's political correctness. He's now no longer Pope, but I remember uh, Benedict took a speech at Regensburg University where he told a historical tale. He didn't even make up the thing or put any slant on it. He just told a story of a discussion between a Muslim military commander and a Byzantine emperor. And Muslims went on a violent streak all around the world. He should have had the right to speak. Well, you have, you know, Salman Rushdie threatened right. with his death life was because, threatened. Uh, because he wrote a novel. It's very <laughs> complex. He mentioned something that many Muslim scholars know about. There's some passages in the Quran that are inexplicable and he, they've been called, and he called them in his book, Satanic Verses. It was a deeply theological argument. It wasn't just a maligning statement against mm -hmm. Islam, but that was unacceptable. Of course, it wasn't really so long ago in the West and even in the US where you could be uh, severely punished for blasphemy, speaking against Christianity or, or taking the name of God in vain, neither of which is, is a good thing. But it's a bit horrific to think you could get, end up in the stocks or severely fined or ostracized for the yes. sort of behavior that any longshoreman now <laughs> indulges himself endlessly. 
Yes, in fact, mm. in the decades leading up to the Civil War, blasphemy laws were very common, and you could be criminally punished for, for speaking against Christianity. Mm. And um, moreover, Protestantism was taught in public schools, and they read from the Protestant Bible and prayed Protestant prayers, and any Catholic child or anyone else who objected would be punished if they didn't participate. Mm. So it's, it's actually pretty disturbing that that kind of de facto establishment continued that late and that people were being forced to comply with the Protestant religious viewpoint. It does sort of beg the question, what would happen if religion was reinstated in society? Would that mean reimposition of such things? Could we have a spiritual rejuvenation as a nation without an unnecessary spillover into legal prohibitions? Well, I think my opinion is that the two are mutually exclusive. But you can have a resurgence of interest in religion. Well, yes, and that's happened multiple times in our country. Yeah. We had two great awakenings, and there's been many well, times when... I hope the, the great awakenings were more than just a societal shift. There, there was deep Well, that's that was renewal. my point. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking about the spiritual renewal as opposed to legal enforcement of Christian doctrine. And I think those two are really mutually exclusive because you can't yeah. force a genuine renewal. Yeah. or revival. Which is something that, that those in the Christian community who are pushing for political actions should keep in mind. Yes. That's not how these great awakenings worked. They yes. didn't go to the lawyers or to the, <laughs> uh, to the uh, legislators. They went to their Bibles. They went to camp meetings. Even without PA system, they listened to George Whitfield <laughs> in the, uh, the first great awakening. Right. I was just listening to one of his uh, sermons the other day on a CD. Powerful stuff, even read in a, in a you know, measured tone by the narrator. Still very good sermons. I can see why uh, people were affected by it. Is freedom of speech the real freedom that defines Western democracy versus some other countries? I'm asking that, believing that's almost answers itself, isn't it? Well, it's hard to say. I mean, all the freedoms are intertwined. So mm -hmm. how do you separate them? I would say... Freedom of religion is very central because that involves freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, but all of them are so intertwined. It's well, it's true. Uh, we had a speaker once uh, for our Liberty, annual Liberty Dinner, and, and uh, the, the speaker made the comment that, that religious freedom is sort of the litmus test for all freedoms. But, but freedom of speech put into action automatically allows religion full expression. It automatically allows political activity. I mean, it really clears the way for almost everything, doesn't it? It's always struck me that, that most countries in the world, communism and, and the late Soviet Union as, as a prime example, did have a guarantee of freedom of religion. Yes. But they didn't really have the full guarantee of freedom of speech, so it became a hypothetical, just look good. They didn't really allow it where if they'd had freedom of speech, it, it would go to the practical level. I heard an interview on BBC Radio with uh, 
the uh, foreign minister from the Maldives, just a little cluster of islands in the middle of the, is it the Indian Ocean. Nice tropical environment, only a few hundred thousand citizens, all Muslim. And uh, the BBC interviewer asked him what it was like and, oh, wonderful free country we have, freedom of this, freedom of that, no social problems. And he asked him, he says, do you have freedom of religion? Oh, absolutely, full freedom of religion. And he said, uh, well, I'm a Christian, you know, if I came there, would I be allowed to practice my faith? And the guy instantly became offended and he says, absolutely not. <laughs> he says, we might as well invite Al-Qaeda into our country. <laughs> so in other words, this is poison. You can't spread what you've got here. It's a wonderful freedom that, that certainly gives a dynamic expression, has to speech to, to religion wherever it's really honored. Martin Luther stood up and held forth and railed against the Pope and they couldn't stop him. And, and of course, as a result, the whole world was changed, or at least the, uh, the, the European world. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443-391-7258 or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org. Join us again next week at the same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. <laughs>